We're excited about the New York solar market. We're pretty active in the market. Governor Cuomo, who's the current governor of New York, has a goal of 100% renewable electricity by 2040. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick Podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thanjan. And I'm your co-host, Suzanne Waters. So let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I wanted to personally invite our listeners to our summer solstice party, which is on Thursday, June 20th from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at Hudson Hall in Jersey City, New Jersey. We'll be celebrating the summer solstice, which is the longest period of daylight, and our Solar Maverick podcast, which is one of the most popular podcasts for solar energy. I'm also one of the co-owners of the event venue, which is Hudson Hall, which is a Czech beer garden smokehouse. The cost to attend the event is $10 and light food will be served. You could learn more information about the Summer Solstice Party on the Renew Energy website, which is reneuenergy.com. Again, it's Renew Energy, reneuenergy.com. We look forward to meeting our listeners and Lee Wang, who's one of the co-hosts of the podcast and some of our guests will be there. And we look forward to seeing you there. We really appreciate your support of the Solar Maverick podcast. Thank you. Welcome to the Solar Maverick Podcast. This is your host, Benoit. I'm excited to have my co-host, Suzanne Waters. She's the Vice President of Business Development at Renew Energy. Suzanne, welcome again. I'm excited to have you co-host the podcast. Hi, Benoit, and all the fellow Solar Mavericks out there. I'm happy to be back. Great. And can you talk about what you do for Renew Energy so that people know and know how to contact you and also to talk about too how your experience working at Renew Energy maybe has been different from other places. So what like your past engagements are, what are you focused on? Sure. I do a lot of our proposal writing, our SREC management. Which we manage about 12 megawatts worth of projects in New Jersey where we handle like the operations, the asset management related to the SRECs. Suzanne's intimately aware of... Yeah, I'd like to consider myself a PJM Gats expert yeah, by now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of my favorite things that I do for Renew is co-hosting this podcast. It's been a really great experience. Yeah, and it's been amazing too, right? We talked about this episode six, right? Is your first podcast? My, yes, that was my first it's, podcast It's episode. Suzanne's solar story. And it was interesting because I asked so many people to be on the, the podcast and Suzanne had so many questions for me and was nervous, but by the end of the podcast, she was ready to do another I one. I think that's why I said, when can I do another one? Can you talk about like the episodes that you've been on? Oh yeah, so yeah, far? sure. So as I'll the host, yeah, yeah, and I'll and, let and you... stuff we're working on in the future. I'll give you the episode numbers too. So if anybody wants to go back and tune into the older episodes, like I always say, don't forget about them as the newer ones come out. So episode six was my first feature on the podcast. I was being interviewed by Benoit. It was why solar is a great industry to work in. I did episode twenty three with Benoit, which was the community solar one hundred and one. More recently, it was episode 29. It was an SREC 101. If you haven't guessed it, Suzanne loves 101. I, I love doing down to the fundamentals, the basics. We just finished recording on the New Jersey solar market. This one now, we're doing the New York solar market. And we have an upcoming episode where Benoit and I are going to be interviewing a former coworker of both of ours, Juan Truyol. We're actually looking forward to that episode. Juan's a good friend, and um, we're excited to have him. 
and we think he'll provide great perspective on the industry. He's been in the industry for a very long time in the estimating part, and we're really trying to get a lot of different types of people within the industry different so that you perspective. So we actually have like Dominic Mandelli who used to work with us. That podcast episode will come out by the time this is, and it's really about electrical contracting. He has an electrical contracting company, and then also Amanda Bybee. Who's the CEO of the Amicus Cooperative, and they basically are a cooperative that works in O and M. So we're trying to get different types of guests. It's funny during the New Jersey solar market, came up with another one for Suzanne, which is really to go more into her solar story. When we first interviewed her for episode six, she just started at Renew Energy, and there was basically a transition period. You know, because I've been out of solar. She's been out of solar for a few years, and. She's very passionate about it and excited that I was able to convince her to come back. It didn't take the- too much convincing. <laughs> yeah, I could tell, by the way, Susanna, we went back on this on the past episode, how excited you were when I reached out and we had our first initial conversation. Obviously, it was a very long conversation. It and- had been a while, sorry to interrupt no, you. No, definitely it had been a while you. since I had passion for my job. I kind of never had the same passion after I had stopped working in solar. So just talking to you about getting back into the industry, yeah, it was just really exciting for me. Yeah, like Suzanne had a million questions for me and like what she would be doing and she was so excited. So I was excited that she was really excited. Then she was um, educating her husband, Jesse Waters, who works in the solar industry at PV Pros. He's an expert in operations and maintenance. We all three of us actually used to work together at Vanguard Energy Partners, and I like to call them the first couple of solar. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, now you guys, Suzanne was obviously out of the industry for a while. Jesse's focused on the O&M aspect, but then we at Renew Energy are focused more on the earlier part, of like the development of projects and sourcing, financing, and broking environmental commodities. So now like you're able to kind of have that conversation Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. We're both in solar, but the topics that we deal with on a day-to-day basis are definitely different. It's just nice to get the other's perspective, especially him. I feel like he's in the O&M, so he's always dealing with the projects at the very end and then continues with them throughout their life. So just to hear his advice and his critiques, just to kind of fix some of those problems on the front end so then they don't become problems on the back end. It's just a really, it's a cool dynamic to brainstorm and just bounce ideas off of one another. So it gives different conversational topics, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting to me because I, for example, interviewed Amanda and she as well is involved in the O&M industry. And it's something that I focus on, but not that much. So it was really... I actually learn a lot from interviewing the different guests on the show, and there's always something new. Can you talk about how you guys met? (laughs) So we actually met at Vanguard Energy Partners. I was in the office more so, and he was kind of, I don't want to say more of a field guy, but I worked there. I had gotten hired before Jesse. I guess, I don't know, long story short, we met at work. Vanguard was a really fun company to work at. I feel like I've pretty much everybody had a great relationship. So we would go, everybody would go to lunch together. We would hang out outside of work together. So I think it was on a like a lunch outing one day where we were sitting near each other and we really got to talking and got to know each other. He was just a pretty interesting person. I mean, yeah. I thought. 
are we talking about the Japanese restaurant yeah, where the, I was? Um, yes, I was this, at the lunch as well. Yes, you witnessed it all unfold. <laughs> <laughs> at the um, yes, it was a sushi restaurant in Somerville. People might not know this about Jesse, but he actually lived in Costa Rica for a time. And I remember when he was telling me that. I mean, I've traveled, but nothing like that. And actually, my sister has lived in Spain for almost a year. My sister, she's also a flight attendant as well, so she travels all the time. So that was kind of... And, and a real estate agent yes, in Jersey is. City. So if you need a great real estate, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to go girl. off topic. No, here. that's fine. I take emails I'll, that I can pass along to her as and well. And what's your email if people want to reach out to you on business opportunities at Renew Energy and podcast opportunities? I know we're interrupting. No, that's fine. Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, Suzanne at RenewEnergy.com, R-E-N-E-U, Energy.com. It's interesting to me, like I was at that sushi lunch. Oh, yeah. And at that point, I was actually, I talked about it in the New Jersey solar market house. Suzanne and I used to sit next to each other, and then I actually moved to an office in another building. building yeah. And then I came for this lunch, so I'm not aware of like everything that's going on because I'm kind of like separated from the rest of the Vanguard team. I'm with Ferrera Construction. And then I remember Jesse mentioning about Costa Rica, and then I actually stayed at Costa Rica for a certain period of time. So Jesse and I bonded because that was the first time spoke we the same actually, lingo. <laughs> we spoke this, so I was like Jesse Pura Vida. And I remember Suzanne, and I know we talked about this before we started. When Jesse was mentioning about Costa Rica, you were like Costa Rica, and then I was like, oh wow, it seems like there's something an attraction with the two of you. So then when I heard, obviously as time went on, that was like. Kind of the first time you guys actually said I wasn't surprised. So it was interesting. I kind of thought that during that lunch and then to see like a few years later. There's so many puns I can make (laughs) relative to the solar industry when it comes to our relationship. It's pretty funny. I was going to say something about you saw the sparks flying or the energy between us, all those corny things. I don't know what else to say without boring you with some details. Yeah, no. So, I mean, it's pretty interesting. Actually, it's interesting because there was another couple from Vanguard as well. So Suzanne and Jesse have as well Jace, who is our son. son, So it's through solar that they met. And then uh, Mike Kochlamiglio and Sue Kochlamiglio as well met at Vanguard. And they also have a child together and they're married. So we're all solar mates, as we like to say. Another pun. Hashtag solar mates. (laughs) And, you know, actually, what would be interesting, we've been trying to recruit Jesse on the podcast. It would be great to do a podcast with. Just Jesse and interviewing. I know he wants me just to interview, not you to be there. But I'm I think dying there would be a, a great one with us three. I do you know, too. Just like the we'll one with one. So I think over time, we're going to convince him. Like one with one, I think with all three of us. Well, It'll be an interesting dynamic. Is- so Juan used to work with us at Vanguard Energy Partners. Juan, Suzanne, and I would spend late nights working on public RFPs together. So I think there'll be an interesting dynamic. Juan's very entertaining. So we're excited. To I'm have excited him on the podcast. for it. Yeah. I'm sure he's going to be excited about the shout out. Like he texts both of us <laughs> when he heard it. But hopefully we could convince Jesse Waters. Well, to and that's be what I was going to say. So we record some of these episodes actually out at our house. Benoit is gracious enough to make the drive so I don't have to drive to him. And Jesse walks by in the background and one day we're just going to have to strap a mic to him. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Sometimes he's listening to the podcast and then he's talking about it afterwards, which is interesting. That's like, what you should have said. said. That's yes, perfect so, content. Uh, yeah. We tried a few times, but we hopefully... We tried to sneak a recording. We appreciate everyone's support of the Solar Maverick podcast. The podcast has grown exponentially since we started the podcast in November. 
15th of 2018. We're still a relatively new podcast. We're one of the most popular podcasts in solar, so we appreciate everyone's support. And actually, we come out with the podcast every Tuesday on all your major podcast platforms. What's been amazing to me is like we had a record amount of downloads. That's the statistic that basically Podbean, which we use as the analytics behind it, we had a record. Our show comes out every Tuesday, and this past Tuesday was like a record amount. And we haven't really marketed the podcast. Actually, Lee Wang and I are working on it and coming up with a strategy. We really wanted to get something out there so that people could hear. And it's been amazing to see like the growth. And a lot of the growth has been through word of mouth, people finding out about it. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, potentially sponsoring the podcast, we do have like a media kit that we just recently completed. We've had PR firms reach out to us and companies about sponsorship. If you're interested in that, please reach us at info at renewenergy.com, I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U-Energy.com. Thanks for the spell check, Louie. <laughs> um, speaking about the podcast and its growing popularity, do you want me to go through a quick list of the top six downloaded ones and then people can maybe, who haven't listened to those episodes, might want to take a listen? Yeah, that sounds great. So these are the top six downloaded episodes ever of our podcast so far. Episode 13, how to develop a great solar project and many other interesting topics about solar entrepreneurship with Jim Spano from Spano Partners. Then we have episode four, strategies to acquire commercial and industrial solar customers in the New Jersey solar market with Alex Rivera from Vanguard Energy Partners. Who Suzanne and I have both worked with. And then Jim Spano as well has reached out to us and saying that he's been getting a lot of companies and leads through the podcast. And we've heard from a number of guests that they've gotten people reaching out to them about business opportunity. So great platform to market it. Yeah. And Alex provides interesting and transparent aspects on acquiring customers, development, the New Jersey solar market. Same thing with Jim, and Jim talks about his entrepreneurship journey and experience. Yeah, so I feel like it's a great listen to anybody, even if you're not necessarily in the solar industry, No, it's interesting. When people heard Jim's podcast specifically, who are not in the solar industry, they truly enjoyed it. So that's great to hear. Number three was episode 26, a developer's perspective on the U.S. solar market. And that's Steve Rader. He's the CEO and founder of Summit Ridge Partners. They're a solar developer and investor of projects in the U.S. Then we have episode 22, U.S. solar module market discussion and female entrepreneur's perspective with Lauren Carson. From Connect Solar, they're basically a distributor of solar equipment. They also have a logistics business to manage storage of solar equipment. And she provides a unique perspective on the industry from a distributor's perspective, what she's seeing in module pricing and being a female entrepreneur in a predominantly male-dominated industry. That was episode 22, everybody, so take a listen. Episode 21, an investor's perspective on the U.S. solar market. And that's John Manis, and he's from KSI, Kendall Sustainable Investments. The feedback that we got on that episode, they liked about how he talked about the general energy industry. He also talked about they own a portfolio of community solar projects, that as an industry, meaning the solar industry, we shouldn't be giving a discount to solar. It's a premium product. Why not have it at the same price or some sort of premium to purchase it? Last but not least in the rounding out the top six was episode one, Introduction to the Solar Maverick podcast with Benoy and Lee. Yeah, and basically that podcast is our first episode that we came out with and basically talks about how the Solar Maverick podcast came to be, what we'd be talking about. It's honestly amazing for me. I haven't listened to episode one 
since maybe December and we're still getting feedback about that episode and it's amazing to me as well like how much we've progressed on this podcast that we're right now taping episode 34 or 33 which is pretty crazy to me that we started this journey early in November and we're here in the third week of May. And how much more comfortable do you feel in front of the mic now? So it's interesting. I've gotten a lot more comfortable in front of the mic and there's things that I definitely have to work on. We do get a lot of feedback from a lot of different people. So we appreciate constructive feedback on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Well, great. So should we get into it? Let's get into it. All right. So we're actually going to be going over the New York solar market on this podcast. So do you want me to start off with reading some of the Yeah, definitely. And, and the reason why we're doing the New York Solar one is I actually recently spoke at the New York Solar Summit where I moderated a panel on community solar in New York. It was a conference that NYSEA, which is a lobbying group in New York, hosted in Albany. And we thought after that conference, it would be ideal to have this. This is like a 101. We're not going to go into great detail. And Suzanne, I'll let you give the high level about the New York solar market. Sure. So these are some facts right off of the SIA website. This data is current through the end of last year, through the end of 2018. As it pertains to New York, the total solar installed is 1,628 megawatts. They rank nationally 10th in the country. Percentage of state's electricity from solar, they're at about 1.4% right now. The growth projection and their ranking, so that's just under 3,100 megawatts over the next five years, and that ranks sixth in the country. And then just some more information on New York. New York has a considerable amount of solar potential and has consistently been in the top 10 U.S. solar markets. The state has other policies in place to promote solar investment, including a feed-in tariff through LIPA, which is the Long Island Power Authority, and net metering. Through its Reforming the Energy Vision docket, the Energy Commission is reviewing the regulatory and market environment needed to encourage a more efficient electricity system, including increased amounts of distributed generation. Yes, and we're excited about the New York solar market. We're pretty active in the market. One of the big things, and we've had a podcast about this, Suzanne, too, is Companies in both states are having 100% renewable energy goals. Governor Cuomo, who's the current governor of New York, has a goal of 100% renewable electricity by 2040. So that's not that far away. That's like 21 years from now. And you're talking about right now, we currently have 1.40% in solar energy. So it's going to be a huge... It's definitely very ambitious. And one of the challenges has been it's very ambitious to have these goals and I'm all about having ambitious goals and you try your best to reach it. But it's challenging. The challenges then come with coming up with policy that's fair to everyone. The utilities are comfortable with the certain sort of framework and working with them and the different policymakers. And NYSERDA, which works for the city of New York and the Green Bank as well, to come up with the equitable solution to increase renewables. And so New York's a great market. We're actually developing one of the first community solar projects for the New York Housing Authority, which is NYCHA. We're doing 38 different buildings in Manhattan and Brooklyn. We partnered with two companies that will feature on the podcast, Kinetic Communities and Euclid Training, to do this RFP. And it's interesting because it's a community solar project as well. It also 
has a certain percentage of the customer offtake and low moderate income as well. And then there's also a community engagement piece where we're actually going to train NYCHA residents to install the system. It's a pretty high profile project. So we're excited about New York. And yeah, a little bit about New York. What we're seeing is like the development hasn't been as much as people initially thought. Outside the state was Canvas. There's a couple of different things that are going on in New York. So basically, there's a value stack, which is called the Value Distributed Energy Resource. It compensates projects based on when and where they provide electricity to the grid. It's a pretty complicated formula. They just actually recently have come up with a new value stack. And I don't want to actually go into details of it. We at Renew Energy have spent hours try to understand Veter, and we consider ourselves experts at it. We've actually been hired by other solar companies to educate them about it. And then they recently, as well, if you go to the NYSERDA website, they have a presentation about, NYSERDA has about this new Veter and what Veter is about. Also, they have like a calculator basically for you to figure out what the net metering compensation would be if you do a project. We're seeing most of the projects in New York tend to be community solar because you potentially have like higher rates of return on community solar projects because you're getting residential compensation for utility scale projects instead of just selling to the grid. And then you're not getting the residential net metering credit, you're getting this sort of VTER calculation. One thing too that makes it challenging, and as we mentioned, like certain states like New Jersey had a very robust SREC program, which is a very high incentive, where New York you're not getting as high incentive levels. So people are trying to figure out, or developers are trying to figure out creative ways to get projects done. So people are focusing on community solar. They're focusing on 100% residential offtake because then you get higher returns. It's been challenging to get these projects financed because Veter is very complicated. And to explain that to an investor, and there's some moving parts as well that it's changing. Investors are used to a long-term power rate or a power purchase agreement. So it's very hard for them to get comfortable. The other thing is usually investors are comfortable with longer term contracts, 15 to 20 years for community solar. It's really one year residential contract. Well, I guess it's going to be different per state, but do they even have to enter into that one year contract? You mean the residential customer? Yeah, because I was reading, and maybe this was, correct me if I'm wrong, New Jersey specifically, but one of the benefits to the resident was, like, let's say you could have be participating in this community solar if you were living in an apartment building and your rent is up and you decide you're moving somewhere else and you can just kind of opt out of that. So it sounded like there was going to be no contract. You could just kind of, getting in would be the hard part, but then kind of leave whenever leave. you wanted or needed. Which is pretty much what we're seeing. I mean, you could do one-year contracts, but there's no termination, or you could just, it really kind of depends on how it's structured, because someone in an apartment building doesn't want to sign something more than one year. Right. So there's a huge opportunity. We've seen customer acquisition and management companies come out in Community Solar. We interviewed Eric Danke from Power Market. They're in a previous podcast or a customer acquisition company. So it's interesting to see. And what the challenge has been, which we've actually mentioned on the Community Solar 101 podcast, actually with Suzanne, is that in the deregulated market, specifically in the Northeast, 
consumers are getting so much information about third-party energy suppliers where you could basically lower your cost of electricity. That comes like with our utility bill every month. <laughs> yeah, and then but they send separate letters. They give like gift cards to Starbucks. Some people have gotten burned like where they sign an agreement and then they don't pay attention to their electricity rate and they have this basically like teaser rate to get you in there and then three to six months or even more than that, the rate then substantially goes up. So one of the challenges, which was an interesting thing at the New York Solar Summit that we mentioned on my community solar panel, was basically if you tell a residential customer, hey, do you want to buy solar from a community solar project or a third-party energy supplier, like they're not going to understand what you're talking about. So there really has to be an education within the community and maybe within the state of New York. That's what we recommended where New York does a great job of advertising. They have a lot of incentives for having businesses come. But talk about what community solar is. You're actually buying solar from community solar project in your utility services territory. There's not a direct exchange of electricity. You're compensated versus on a VEDER credit. The interesting thing too, there was a customer acquisition company on the panel, Michael Mullen. I asked him whether, do you tell the customer about VEDER? And it's just too complicated to educate a residential customer the five different components of Eater. Just you educate them that it's some sort of credit, you'll save money on your electricity. What we're seeing, like the discount that developers are offering, are between five to 10% of what they're currently paying for the credit. So it's interesting. There's a lot going on in New York. Not as much has been developed because of these challenges. We're starting to see a lot more projects happen. Financiers are slowly getting comfortable. One of the other Two interesting topics we talked about too in the community solar panel. It was one of the most popular panels because most of the projects are community solar with some sort of on-bill financing. So right now in a community solar project, you'll get two separate bills. One from your utility and one from the owner of the community solar project. But if you could actually have it on one on the utility bill, it'll just be a lot easier for the consumer to understand and pay for the bill. I was just thinking about another envelope in the mail. <laughs> You're like, oh, my other utility. We actually, where I live now, we get our gas bill comes separately than the electric bill. I hate doing that every month. Yeah. So getting a third bill in there, that would just be. Yeah, it would be more complicated. And then what we're less attractive. Less attractive. <laughs> So what we're seeing too is we're focusing on a project in Con Ed Service Territory for NYCHA with the Manhattan and Brooklyn. There's very high residential electricity rates. But the challenge with New York City or the five boroughs is there's not a lot of available land or rooftops to put solar. There's not the space. It's also very expensive to use roofs. You also have the issue of shading because you have a lot of skyscrapers that are blocking other buildings. You also have a lot of real estate development that's happening. So there's also been a proposal about whether New York City customers can basically sell their electricity to other parts of New York, not just the utility service territory. So that's another you know, thing that people yeah. have been talking about in the New York market. We haven't really seen much utility-scale development in New York just because it doesn't make economic sense because the rack in New York is relatively low and the electricity rates. And then northern New York, you have cheaper land values and a lot more land. But the problem is like the electricity rates are a lot lower in northern New York compared to like New York City or like Orange and Rockland, which is close to New York City. And I think that's like pretty much actually a high-level overview 
of the New York solar market. I mean, we're happy to go into a lot more detail. We just wanted to be very high level on the podcast. We think this new Veter order will help with more development, educating consumers about community solar, getting financiers comfortable with not having a long-term energy contract. Also, what we're seeing is very high cost for customer acquisition and management. People don't know really what are the true cost of it. It's all kind of a learning process for everyone in the industry, and we're developing our own projects and looking at a lot of other sites as well and rooftops in New York. So that's the New York Solar Market Podcast. Suzanne... One of the new things that we've added in the podcast that Kevin Y. Brown, who's the producer of our podcast, and he has a company called Podcast Laundry that helps us with the strategy and the back end of our podcast. He also has his own podcast, the Create Your Life series on XM Radio. One of the things he was suggesting was maybe that guest and co-host ask me questions outside. I know we were talking about one question And we've kind of incorporated this question actually with Lee. So it's interesting. I provide Lee Wang, who's the director of marketing at Renew Energy, and he's co-hosted episodes. I will provide him book recommendations, and then he will actually read these books. And we think it's good as an entrepreneur and as someone wanting to be better, be more successful, we found these books very interesting. So I'll ask you, what book have you read in that genre that you feel is probably one you'd recommend? The book is The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business by Charles Duhigg. And basically the summary of the book is your habits basically make how, determine how successful you become. And then it takes basically 30 days. I was going to say, give take, us a quick synopsis. How long does it take to make a habit? It takes 30 days? 30 days to basically build a new habit. And then he was basically saying like, the more good habits that you're able to do over time, the more exponential your growth is. So if you're actively trying to improve yourself and then improve your habits, and then you're able to get past the 30-day mark, it'll be almost automatic. And that's actually something that I've implemented in my life. Does he give suggestions on better habits, healthier habits, or those are left for you to figure out? He talks about Starbucks and how they create a culture where they try to basically train everyone to have good habits and so that they could be more successful for the company and then their own lives. And then he talks about his own personal experiences and then he talks about actively thinking about changing a habit and having it in your foremost mind when you do it. And then over time, you'll see like compounding of the success. And I've definitely seen that I'm by far have a lot of things to work on and I'm far from perfect. There's things that I'm constantly like, I got to get better with this habit. I can't be doing that. So does he provide like examples of good habits? And then if so, can you give us a spoiler alert and give us one? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You might have to read the book. So basically the synopsis is the habit loop. It's a neurological pattern that governs any habit. It consists of three elements, a cue, a routine, and a reward. Understanding these components can help in understanding how to change bad habits or form good ones. The habit loop is always started with a cue, a trigger that transfers into the brain into a mode that automatically determines which habit to use. The heart of habit is a mental, emotional, and physical routine. Finally, there's a reward which helps the brain determine if this particular loop is worth remembering for the future. Charles Duhigg says in the New York Times, the cue and reward become neurologically intertwined until a sense of craving emerges. 
So I know I it's like pretty word deep. Choice. Yeah, no, but very interesting. Can you share with us, like maybe what this? I guess is a second question. Sure. Can you share with us maybe either? I guess a bad habit that you've changed into a good habit, or just a new habit you've created that's a good habit. Yeah, definitely. So this actually is a habit that I keep talking about, but I think it's so important. Is win the morning, win the day. Okay. So I used to be a night person. I used Me to too. like go to bed extremely late. I used to watch TV and then like binge watch TV. But then I started forcing myself from reading all these books and reading about successful people and also from conversations with extremely successful people that if you're able to get up early in the morning, you're able to be more successful, you're able to get more done, you're more productive, especially like for me, like I try to do the hardest tasks in the morning. Now I wake up at 4.35 o'clock every morning. No matter how late as well that I go out, I might have to take a nap later in the day. But that took a while. Like that didn't happen like suddenly. That took a process to do that. And actually part of that process was for me to have an alarm clock and then it's basically my phone. And then I don't have it right next to me. I have it like Oh, six, which forces you to get out of the bed to turn it off. Turn it off. Now that. in the beginning, I used to just then jump into bed. And then I just started putting more alarms. But they say that makes you even more sleepy. So then I force myself. Which, sorry to interrupt, but do you yeah. ever find that interesting? Like, if you're trying to fall asleep, like you can't fall asleep, you can't fall asleep. But hitting a snooze button, it's so, you can fall asleep so quickly in that 10 minutes that the snooze button is giving you. And you're like, oh, I just doze off and it's only been, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. So that's actually pretty funny. They actually say that makes you more sleepy. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's always so easy that. to fall asleep after you hit snooze. After the snooze. So then I started putting the alarm further away from me. And then that first time, forcing myself to get up no matter what, no matter how tired I was. And eventually that became a habit. By the way, now I don't even have alarm. My body oh, automatically, automatically wake wakes up, up at 4.30? And especially now that the sun's coming up earlier, once the sun's out too, it's like a lot easier. But yeah, so that took me a while. Like this is something that I worked on for maybe a year and a half, two years before it became like a, but it was something that I had to actively work on. By the way, there are a lot of other habits that I'm having challenges that I've been working and doing it. So, Or sometimes I'm very good with that habit and then I lose it along the way. But then I have to re-kind of do that 30 days to kind of cement a habit. And it takes you, so once you've developed one and then maybe kind of get a lackadaisical with it, it takes you another full 30 days? Sometimes it it does. Sometimes it's quicker. Like on the sleeping ones, quicker. But for example, my diet, it could swing very quickly. That's an and easy then one to get, to, to get back into it. What do you think of this book, Suzanne? I, the Power of Habit. I just like would from what like I told to. You. No, I think I want to read it. They probably have it in an audio book, right? Oh, yeah, it's on Audible. I've heard of this book before, and I just, I know it. It's probably something everyone could benefit from reading from. Yeah, definitely. Everyone could definitely benefit. It's pretty interesting in the Audible book. I've actually recommended, actually now I think about it, two other books as well. How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by Dale Carnegie that Lee has read now. And then The Ego is the Enemy that I talk about with my interview with Lauren Carson that was by Ryan Holiday. And we were actually, I interviewed Lauren at a conference in Boston and Bill Belichick, who's the head coach of the Patriots. I know Suzanne's not into sports. I knew who he was. (laughs) (laughs) He had his whole team read that because truly, if you really think about it, ego is the enemy. I'm going to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate all your support. Suzanne, if you want to close out the podcast with, I think there could be two or three hashtags. So I'm going to hashtag Carpe Solum. Yeah, a couple of hashtags relevant to this podcast. You're right. But my favorite one is still hashtag Carpe Solum. Yeah, and we appreciate it. And 
Seize the sun. Seize the sun. Till next time, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five-star review. That helps us build this community, and that's what we're all about right now, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. Thank you.